Hey boomers, it's time once again for another episode of your fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. We, as always, yes. are the humans who think we're in charge. He's Dave Boomer. And he's Chris McFeely and he did all that in one breath. I've not edited that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, it's Sonic the Comic. We are on number issue... <laughs> number 70, issue 2! What? Now? Yep, the smelly issue. The smell-based Num- issue. There's got to be a lot of smell-based stuff. Number 70, issue 2. Yes, issue number 70, issue 2. That's what we're on. <laughs> I think we communicated that successfully to the listeners. Yep. Yes, the cover date on there is for the 1st of March, 1996, but it was released on the 17th of February. And yeah, it's all poo-stink. It's all poo-stink. Um, it, it, you, just to look at, Sonic is there walking about through... He's got a... He's taken... A, it's so smelly that he's taken his gas mask off. He had a gas mask. <laughs> but to illustrate how smelly it is, mm. he's taking that. He's just carrying it with him. He's holding a gas mask. Yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't see his beautiful face, would you? Um, but there's a sort of stinky mole man uh, poking out through the gas cloud. Uh, a man yes. who is half mole and half yeah, he's, gas mask looking. You can't really. It's just a silhouette with some nasty teeth and a glowing eye in the background. We'll yeah. find out inside what it actually yeah. is. But it's a sort of yeah mole looking. Gas mask yeah. looking nozzle thing, robot fingers. Yes, I see. I see. What I was about to say is that this doesn't actually show up in the comic, but it does. It just doesn't look like that. <laughs> no, well, we don't see it from this angle, really, mm, I think yeah. is, is the thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's all anyway, it's all in a big, stinky green cloud. Poo stink. Smelly poo. And it and says. Why is this the poo stink be- issue? Because what we are missing. Have you got this? Have you got a picture of this? I don't know. Uh, well, we had the picture last issue, remember? Yeah, exactly. The next it, issue page from last issue. It is, of course, up on my bed, I believe. Mm. No. No? No, I think it's in my box. I could have gone and got it. Well, anyway, mm. never mind. There is a free Scratch and Sniff sticker. Uh, that was a reference to an earlier episode of, of this. Zig and Zag. Yeah, Zig and Zag. Yeah, yeah. A free Scratch and Sniff yes, sticker. This is for Sonic, do. <laughs> that's why they. That's why they've spelt it this way. Yeah, Scratch oh, yeah. and Sniff. Yes, yeah. for Sonic. Yeah, for Sonic. Yeah, uh, sticker, and it's what it is. It's just a sticker of Sonic holding up his own sneaker, and there's all pong coming out of it, and yeah. he's going pong. Because that, we talked about this in the past, but that's mm. what we as young boys wanted from our that's entertainment we back then. Yep. You know, girls got to have scratch and sniff snickers that smelled of strawberries and 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 perfumed kittens, but mm. we got cheesy, ronk, stinky feet, dog poo stickers. I didn't know about the girl ones. That that you, you had to tell me about that. That was that's come as news. <laughs> well, they I didn't feel- want cheesy poo stinky dog uh, I sn- stickers. I, it never occurred to me. Society I just, you know, has told me. I just, yeah, I just assumed that it was either you want scratch and sniff stickers or you don't. It didn't occur to me you could make nice scratch and sniff stickers. <laughs> scratch and sniff, we went through a, a brief obsession with it culturally. You know, what was it Noel's House Party? What TV show was it yes. that did smell a vision? Yes, it was Noel's House Party. Where yes. there was a scratch card you could get. And of course, they were all terrible smells because why would you send nice smells around to people's houses? Yeah, the classic one is that uh, the gas people used to send scratch and sniff stickers of ga- of the smell of gas so that people could recognize Oh, I didn't know that. It may even have been the origin of scratch and sniff, although I'm not sure about that. That but doesn't like, yeah. seem likely. There's even there's a there's a board game or a card game you yeah. can get now that's a scratch and sniff type thing really? where 
they all ronk heinously. Sure. And the idea is obviously to gross out the players. Like, and that's not going to last long, is it? You can only play that a couple of times before all of them are scratched. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, scratch and sniff is... is but I, I, did, I, I copped on to it very quick as a child that, yeah, there's that little textured bit. And once you've scratched all the texture away, it don't stink no more. Yeah. In 1987, cards distributed by the Baltimore Gas and Electric Company, so nowhere around here, led to a rash of false alarms when the scents of cards in unopened envelopes were mistaken for gas leaks. That's what I was sitting here thinking. Like, that seems like a bad move. (laughs) Anyway, the reason for this big stinky Sonic in a Cloud cover, which you'll obviously note has nothing to do with uh, uh, the return of Chaotix or the other two serials continuing, is because this issue, we've got double Sonic. We've got a complete new yes. story in this issue that's about the stink. Yes, it's a smell-based story. Which makes me wonder, mm-hmm. you know what? We'll come to it when we come mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, we've also got the thrilling conclusions hey. of Knuckles and Sonic's world. They used that pun last time. Knuckles, the thrilling conk illusion. Hey. Conk is, is a slang word That's for a your word. nose. Put a red American nose boomers. on your conk yeah. and let's stunk. It's a bad yeah. one. Conk is British slang for nose. Folks. I like it. Probably... No, I'm, I'm all in favour of it. Of course you do. You only ever heard the word conk in the Beano and Buster. And in the stonk. Stick a red nose on your conk. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that one. But that, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Also across the top it says we can win exclusive Sonic artwork. Yes. Can we? Yeah, we can. Good. <laughs> you didn't remember. I, listen, oh, oh, listeners, it's worth declaring this. I've got the flipping coronavirus. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's true, you know. And this may have affected some or all of my reading of this comic. I am literally right now uh, in isolation from not just the world, but my wife, Abby, who you're familiar with, listeners. She's right now locked in another room, and I'm locked in this room, and... Uh, yeah, I haven't seen her for a week. As it happens, as luck would have it, I had one of the strains, not the Omicron, I had one of the older strains that the vaccine's just completely novel. So I've been fine. It's fine. Get your booster if you haven't had it. It's miracle working. Yeah, by the time you hear this, you'll be well over it. Like, oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll be long in the distance. Or I'll be dead, and this will be an interesting artifact. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm fine. This is one of my last days of it, for sure. So, yeah, so I'm probably going to be a bit of an idiot this uh, this episode, more than usual, even. Chris is on the game, though. No. <laughs> Tortured puns continue. Oh, control but I love it, though. I, do you love it? Yes. Yeah, I think, to be honest, by the end of this, I was like... <laughs> no, I did like... I, I like... Hey, boomers, I thought uh-huh. a cheese sandwich had been left in the office until I remembered the free scent 
Sensational yeah, scratch and sniff snicker on the cover. I was fine. It's all good. I love a cheese sandwich. It's a good pun. And that's a good bit of old-fashioned Megadroiding, that is. I've had some criticisms yes. of the Megadroiding going downhill recently, but that, that's a good bit. Talking about The Office. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I haven't heard The Office mentioned in a while, you know? No. But then we use the conclusion pun again. again. Yeah. No, on, on you both sides times of the cover. beaten to death, like, you know? Yeah, not sure about that. Plus, due to huge demand, there's a double dose of Sonic stories. Amazingly enough, the humans who think they're in charge of taken notice of your please so read on okay read on into the comic he means you know because there's another sonic story there's an extra bonus sonic story and we are not far of course not i mean it's interesting to see that he the humes who think they're in charge of taking notice of your please so i guess that letters are being sent in asking for more sonic content yeah. because we are a hop skip and a jump away from cover to cover sonic action on the regular now yeah in this comic this year. Isn't it odd how at the start of STCTP it was unthinkable for there to be more than one Sonic strip because there was <laughs> only one of anything. It might as well be like, you know, if you're watching one TV program and then you watch a completely distinct TV program after it and the people from the first one show up in it or whatever. Like that couldn't, bit, yeah. couldn't happen. It's like the first attempt they made at it was a tale story that mm. went out of its way to be weird and different. Yes, and, and now... Well, we'll find out later that there's going to be another Sega Superstars coming up, and that feels mm -hmm. like the aberration. It, it, yeah, it really does at this point, because um, for the last run of it, while the Sega Superstars have been the some of the earliest ones coming back for their last go-rounds, mm. Echo, Kid Chameleon before that, Shinobi before that, like the only new original Sega Superstar strip in the last, I don't know how long, was Sparkster. Like, that was the last original one that wasn't uh, a return to or right. a... A revisitation and before that i i don't even know i can't recall off the top of my head what the last original non-returning serial was before that so right. this is a brand new one that's coming up but we'll come to that in a second it's down at the bottom of the page mm -hmm. should we just these okay so then Go he on. runs through the contents in the way Rattle he usually does but it's just pun upon pun there's a scent of danger also sonic and chaotics a scent of danger mm. that's not a pun that's just scent. a yeah. 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 It's the word. Who knows the outcome of Sonic's world? Who knows? Sonic's world, who knows the outcome? Not to be sniffed at is the UCAC photo special from last October. Yeah. Yes, we have an article yes. returning to that. Then then everything's go a bit it goes a bit weird in the last part. Finally, get in the swim with STC's fishy chopper badnik pinup. And fishy is yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's you kind I mean, of something can smell, smell fishy. fishy yeah, yeah, sort of. Uh, uh, Chopper badnik. Oh, well, fishy pin up and smells fishy. I guess it's fishy smells. Ice, but yeah. yeah, and practice air guitar air. in preparation air. for Beavis and Butthead. Air guitar, because air, that's where smells are. They're in the air. Yeah, I mean, is that it? Am I missing something? <laughs> is it the air is where smells are? <laughs> I, I guess, like, you could... Like, you say something has an air of something. Maybe that originally means the smell of it. But uh, I yeah, don't but not know. in 1996. No, and also, like, in that whole paragraph, every sentence has one of these puns in it, except one, which is, could it really be the end of the road for Knuckles in the final installment of the graveyard? And that really stands out. Also, Sonic finds himself up against another mighty menace in the odor zone, but that is the stink-themed story. That's the stink, yeah, and so it the says odor in the sentence, that has nothing to do with Ponghuef at all is... <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, I feel as if they could have... Be, being as Knuckles is set in a graveyard, I feel like they could have come up with one for that sentence. Be a bit grim, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm off, dear boomers. And so is that cheese sandwich.
Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Again, that ties it round. Yeah, that's, that's, a, good that's me- a good end. It's a good end. It's, it's that's a, a good control zone. The puns are a bit tortured. And, no, I like and, it. And good control zone. There's a few dodgy <laughs> ones in there, but I like the book ending. <laughs> then down below that, we got a little uh, mm. secondary article. I don't know what you call it. Something old, something new. Yes, because uh, next issue, they're just telling us about the two new strips that start next mm. issue. Tails is back. Mm. A new solo adventure. Uh, I couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think this is an important one in the sense that this is the first one that is not about taking Tails and dumping him uh-huh. into some weird alternate scenario. Uh-huh. I think this might be the first Lou Stringer written one where he just gets to be a hero on Mobius doing his own thing. Yes, Instead please. of getting dragged into, this, into other worlds and other character stories. And then Shining Force. Shining Force. That's our brand new Shining Sega Superstar Force. strip. Yeah, that's... That's right, listeners. The JRPG Shining Force. We're going to do an STC strip about that. You might as well do a Shenmue one. <laughs> Enter a magical world where swords and sorcery meet futuristic technology. Join Bowie. 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 Is that the character's name in the game? I don't know. I've yep. not played Shining Force. David Bowie. Yeah, join David, David Bowie, Bowie and his brave friends on a quest to save the people of Rune beginning next issue. Now, I've not played Shining Force, no. so I won't be able to compare the strip in any way to the game. I, um, I intend to take the opposite tack and play Shining Force sometime before the next recording, and, and no, no, then I can compare it. You couldn't bloody pay me. <laughs> a turn-based tactical JRPG. God, I know. Oh God, stick I bamboo under my fingers. It's going to be tricky, but I did enjoy Advance Wars, so it's possible I can enjoy this. We'll find out. Put it this way, I'm probably not playing it in more than one sitting, and that is not going to take me very far into the game. But we'll see. Indeed. The yeah, we've got a couple of new entries on the chart yeah. this uh, fortnight. Are we in such a dry spell now where I see two new entries and think, oh, two? I know, exactly. Is that, yeah. is that where we live now, 1996 on it the Mega is. Drive? Is that, you know? It is, and yes, that's worth mentioning with the first one because, of course, FIFA 96 is in the number one spot. There's no avoiding that. Non-mover. No, you can't get rid of that. And now in number two, joining it, what could, what could be more boring even than a FIFA game. <laughs> How about a game in which you just imagine that you eventually play a game of football, but never actually do? That's right, it's Premier Manager. I would have... See, if I didn't have the chart here in front of me, I would have probably guessed uh, cricket, golf, something <laughs> like that. But no... Premier yep. Manager, the game in which a you... football game without the football involved. You do the statistics for football. Just the statistics. By the way, uh, this is a game that first came out in 92 for the computers. It's finally making its way to the Mega Drive now, and we're do never going to be rid of it. The idea... Something is ill-suited to a Mega Drive. Like, a, at mm. least I can understand a computer. Yeah. There's a lot of clicking and typing and stuff. But it's, for, it's boring things to do with lists and spreadsheets yeah. for boring people who have computers in their study. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the sort of game that it is. <laughs> Let me look up its entry in... Uh, I, I, I pulled yes. this book out last time because I got it for Christmas. It's Chris Scullion's Sega Mega Drive <laughs> and Genesis Encyclopedia. Every game released for the 16-bit console. Dearly, deeply wish this book had existed two or three 
three years ago so we could have had it with us all through this. We can always do some retro features where we go through old games mentioned, can't we? <laughs> well, let's see what it says about Premier Manager here. While Championship Manager, later rebranded Football Manager, was the undoubted king of football management games on home computers, Gremlin Interactive's Premier Manager games got their fair share of praise too. This Mega Drive version is actually based on Premier Manager 2 and lets players choose a team from the Football League 3rd Division there's no whale here, Dave. And try to take them all the way up to the Premier League. Though it's technically a management sim, you get to control a lot of other aspects that a football manager wouldn't usually be expected to do. Mm. You got excited there for a minute, didn't you? I and did, for just for a moment. And the thing I was getting excited for was the possibility that you might be able to play flipping football. football. So that's still a low bar. <laughs> no, no, things that a manager wouldn't usually be expected to do, such as upgrading the stadium. Managing... Oh. <laughs> Managing the club's bank loan! Oh, can't wait! And even arranging deals for advertising hoardings. During matches, the action is text only, with a scoreboard that shows <laughs> preset animations during goals and other key incidents. Can you imagine playing these games? My, uh, my brother-in-law, obsessed with them. I think he still plays them now. Don't understand. My brother did have one of these. Championship Manager, I think, was the one yeah. he had, but that would have been for the computer whenever that, yeah. that came around. And I just... I just couldn't, dear <laughs> listeners. Like, I wouldn't... I wouldn't have, hmm. but I just couldn't. <laughs> it was a statistics game. Yes. Ugh. I mean, I've played statistics games within other games, you know? I'm quite enjoying the property management game in Yakuza 0 at the moment, but <laughs> in between doing the statistics, I go out and punch some people. I'm sure there's people tutting and scowling even as we disparage mm. their beloved Premier Manager right now. I but, don't know um, they'll have got this far into the series. No, to be honest, I don't know how you would have held on this long <laughs> with the sheer scoring we pour on regular football, never mind football the spreadsheet the game <laughs> yeah not even imaginary football it's just number it's numbers about football the other new entry it's not even like fantasy football it's the same thing as that except you don't win anything and you don't stand to have a nice time with anybody <laughs> The other new entry in at number 10 is Tasmania Escape from mm. Mars. Now, I've said before that the original Tasmania was one of my first games that yes. I played, and yes. uh, I always really enjoyed it. Never going back to it, don't know. And I never, I, I don't think I even knew it had a sequel, or had no memory of it having a sequel until it was previously shown in a news zone or a review zone or something. But here mm. it is, cracking the top 10 now. Uh, listed here as Tasmania Escape from Mars, it seems its proper title in the encyclopedia is Taz in Escape from Mars. Marvin the Martian was unhappy that his Martian zoo was missing an exhibit, so he decided to go to Earth to find a rare creature. As you'd expect from the title, he decided to capture Taz and took him to Mars and locked him up. Escape from Mars opens with Taz breaking out of his cage and realizing he has to get back to Earth somehow. His journey takes in six different locations. Mars, two other strange planets called Mole World and Planet X, Mexico, <laughs> a haunted castle, and finally, Marvin's house, where Taz wants to settle this once and for all. Maybe there's a narrative in the game that doesn't quite come across through yes. simply listing the level locations there, but that's about <laughs> uh, The game plays similarly to Tasmania, and Taz has more or less the same moves as he did in that one, although he moves a lot quicker. Oh gosh, look at that. Robocod.
down to number three on the masses. That's what the master system is in 1996. It's a thing where James Pond 2 Robocod can have been at the number two spot <laughs> until this week. Look at that top 10 on the Master System, though. Mickey Mouse 2, Robocop vs. Terminator, James mm-hmm. Pond 2, The Lion King, Streets of Rage, Echo the Dolphin, Sonic 2, Sonic 1, Desert Strike, Star Wars. I mean, I can't speak to the quality of the games, but as far no. as, you know, brands and identifiable mm. mascots go, what a, what a list of bangers. Absolute list That's of bangers. That's what the Mega Drive Master System was down to now at this point. Yeah. It's just weird to say it's down to bangers, but what I mean is <laughs> the system was so you know, dated and, you know, yeah. on the way out. People weren't mm-hmm. buying anything. I don't know if anything new was even being made for it. People were going back to and buying the big, famous games. The Return of Chaotix, Part 6. Written by Nigel Kitching. Art by Richard Elson. Letters by Ellie DeVille. Our heroes attempt to unravel the mystery of why the Brotherhood of Metallics attempted to erase Robotnik from history, as they assume that doing so would prevent them from ever being created in the first place. It is then that Grimer reveals it was he who designed the Metallics. Robotnik designed the self-destruct program built into their systems, which is what the Brotherhood were attempting to remove. The Brotherhood attack Citadel Robotnik, but Sonic is able to activate the self-destruct and finally wipe the Metallixes out. Though, Grimer is already drawing up plans for a new robot to take their place. So, yeah, here we are at the end of this. Mm-hmm. This story which has been excellent up till now. Thrilling, mm-hmm. looping everything back around to the start, mm. bringing to a conclusion... The story of Metal Sonic that began when Kitching and Elson essentially revamped the comic and its whole world back in issue 21. Mm. And it's only alright as an end. This one suffers from last part of a long story-itis. Uh, yeah. Where it's all finished and now we just need a few more pages to sort of end. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, fundamentally, I cannot get on with the central premise of this. Go on. Which is that if Robotnik never existed, yeah. there would it doesn't matter that Grimer designed them. That doesn't make sense. There would never have been Metal Sonics if Robotnik didn't exist. It's it's a it's a broken story premise. Sorry. Well, I don't think it's broken. I think you could do it to everyone's satisfaction, but you'd need more parts on the story. I think so. I think that is the thing. I think this needs one more part, but we'll talk about why specifically. Okay, well, my one more part is if we're going with this, we're going with exactly this story, then you have to establish that without Robotnik, Grimer becomes this powerful scientist guy in the vein of a Dr. Robotnik with the resources of a Dr. Robotnik. Because I can believe that in that position, Grimer would invent Metal Sonic. Sure. We need the story of how Grimer built the Metallics so that they still exist. You, you can't just wave the hand and say, well, it just, they're just dead. You know, it doesn't make sense. It does, it does not work. Sonic has to have been fighting Grimer for some other reason for Grimer to make. And the thing is, Grimer, like, he's a slimy guy. But he's a bit better than Robotnik. And I can believe that if he was just employed by someone else, then the stuff he'd make wouldn't be that bad. Maybe Kinterboy employs Grimer as his chief scientist. And it's like, oh, do you remember that Sonic? What if we make a robot one? And then that can that help find the Grey Emerald. And then it goes wrong. There's a story you could tell. Maybe, yeah. That's, you know, these are absolutely things. But, you know, it's not on the page. We can invent reasons all along. But just like within the confines of what's on the page, I'm not given any credible reason to 
Mm. You know, to, you know, Porker specifically says, you know, Dr. Robotnik created the Metallics in the first place. So if they destroy him, don't they destroy themselves too? And Grimer says, me actually. I'm like, mm. well, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's not like Grimer or Robotnik would know why in an alternate timeline this would ever have happened. It's just, it's a very, very hand-wavy explanation, you know? And the self-destruct program is this... I'm a little reluctant to use the phrase, but it's a bit deus ex machina never mentioned before mm-hmm. suddenly dropped into the story yeah. on the, what, sixth page from the end after three months of this story. And it is, it, it's what destroys them. We even have to spend time retroactively justifying why Robotnik didn't just use... Like, I don't think when Kitching wrote The Brotherhood of Metallics and Elson drew those panels of that worried, sweating Robotnik with his face all up in the camera that a self-destruct button was the outcome he had planned for the end of the story. That's what's given to us, is Sonic goes, oh, hang on a minute. So wait a minute. So you're telling me that there's a couple of places here where Sonic acts as the reader. There's a bit later where he goes, yeah. well, that was a bit of an anticlimax, wasn't it? Well, we'll come to that in a minute, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, in this bit, he goes like, well, hang on. So you're telling me that these things had a self-destruct and you've sent me to go and fight them and probably be killed. And Robotnik's like, yeah, I was hoping you'd be killed. That was back during the Brotherhood of Metallic storyline, which is a while back, you know, in Ages terms of ago. reading. That's before Project Brewers even. So they just say, say yeah. CSTC60. Mm. But but then Robotnik says... He says, yes, that's right, Hedgehog. It was a golden opportunity. I hoped they would destroy you. And then... I need to roll that harder. I hoped they would destroy you. And then I could activate the self-destruct program. I like the idea that Robotnik would go like, well, yeah, uh, yeah, I could have just pressed the button, but that wouldn't have also killed Sonic. Elson is, I will say, drawing the hell out of Robotnik oh, in God, this one. Yeah. He yeah. really is. Look at that bit where he's got his finger up in Sonic's face, the, the lips more stretched and taut. <laughs> I'm glad you said face. And then that panel at the top of page three where Sonic jump grabs Robotnik mm. by his collar of the shirt and why I are. And I'm like, ooh, Sonic and Robotnik going hands-on in a Kitchik and Elson? I mean, it doesn't come to anything. They have to stop and be like, all right, well, maybe we should set this aside for a minute just to mm, deal yeah. with the larger threat. But just that one panel is like, ooh, yeah, I want to take that panel and I just want to I just want to post it all over the internet. You know, it's like, there's my guys. That's my Robotnik. That's my Sonic. Just, just yeah, going, to have it, going at it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's post that everywhere. We can be the, the change we want to see. Yeah, no... <laughs> Rich is really like, uh, I mean, and in a minute we'll have to talk about the next two pages. Mm. But um, this is one of those issues where even though you have two pages in a minute, which we're going to talk about, it doesn't draw that much attention to itself art-wise, but it just gives you everything you want it, as, you know, a boy of this age reading this comic. <laughs> look, at, look at Robotnik with his big teeth going, yeah. Sonic gets up on him, Robotnik lifting his own fist. Yeah. Look at that Kirby crackle in the background around yeah. both of them around, to be like, just to, literally to, to show his, his anger. fury. Yes, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and the gang's all here as well. We've got the Chaotix crew. They're not doing anything, but they're hanging yeah, out. Those poor buggers. We get to look at them. They're nice to see, you know. <laughs> they really shouldn't have called this story Return of Chaotix should they? They are weighing the story down at this point. It's like whenever they call Doctor Who's Invasion of the Dinosaurs Invasion for its first episode so as to hold off on the surprise that it was about <laughs> dinosaurs at the end of the first one. This is going back to the poor two years as a random pool but it's like, yeah, I probably should have like maybe changed the title of this strip like two parts in or something when it turned out what it was really about you know yeah i mean it's not that they haven't been important in that the omni viewer has been key to oh yeah the story but very much the other the, the guys themselves could have been anybody 
So now let's turn to those two pages. Because we've got two exemplary pages of metallic stuff. So while we're having this exchange of explanation, Charmy's looking out a window going, looks like we're in for a storm. Yes, sir. E Bob. And then on the next page, he's like, look at the size of that cloud. And then finally, Mighty turns around and goes, what are you going to orbit? And then everybody looks out the window and they're like, that's not a cloud. <laughs> turn the page. Great page yeah. turn. Great page oh, turn. Yeah. You can, oh, when yeah. you've only got seven pages and they're right up at the front <laughs> of the comic and there's no ads or anything to space them out, you can't always rely on a page turn impact mm. like this. But you turn that page and it is a full splash page of the Emperor Metallics up in the foreground with Metallics's thousands of them <laughs> swarming behind him as they bear down on Citadel Robot. It's absolutely gorgeous. And the thing is, like, you know, Rich has used the tricks that he has in his arsenal to not have to draw thousands of metallics, but he's still had to draw what might be a hundred metallics. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's drawn flipping millions of them. This must have taken uh, just just the repetitive drawing alone. It's incredible. It's Many of them are in similar poses. Sure. The Elson pose, you know, one arm forward, one arm back, one leg lifted. I mean, what are you going to do? They are all the same. Yes. Design, not not like the last issue or two where we saw some alternate designs in the dystopian parallel timeline. But, uh, you, know, you know, I mean, if this was made today, any sensible artist who's learning to work smarter, not harder, is drawing a couple and then copy-pasting them in to make the crown. But no, every one of these... It's amazing. It's mm. just a great... Whoever's got this page in real life. Oh, God. Oh, could you imagine? And they come smash it. See, and, and then it's like, this is cool. It is cool. But this oh, yeah. is kind of here where we hit this thing we were talking about again. I think, right. Mm -hmm. I think this should have been seven parts, as we say. Mm -hmm. One more part. I think this should have been the cliffhanger. The Metallics is bearing down yeah. on them. Spend the extra couple of pages just yes. explaining how that would work out. Then we can dedicate the final part to the final fight. Because in practice, not to take away from the cool couple of panels we get here, the Metallics mm -hmm. is crashing through the wall, these it's cool. panels of them beating up Mighty and Espio, Porker cowering behind Robotnik's desk saying to himself, I just can't take any more of this, which is important for what happens to mm. Porker very soon. As Robotnik riffles through the drawers and pulls out the self-destruct thing. Yeah, it's just a little remote that he keeps in a drawer. Well, of course you keep it handy. You know, <laughs> of course you would, but... Yeah, absolutely. The Emperor grabs him by the scruff of his neck, hoists him up. Too slow, you fat fool. No, I am your master! And then the Emperor takes the self-destruct and begins to crush it between thumb and forefinger, which is, you know, a cool moment. To think this small device could destroy the entire Brotherhood of Metallics. First, I shall crush it. Then I shall do the same to your neck. And then Sonic says, this is it, gotta be fast. And then in the span of one panel, not only speeds over and grabs it, but speeds over, grabs it, pushes the button, and the Metallics is all fall down in one panel. That's my which problem. Which is immediately followed by Sonic saying, is that it? Have mm. we won? Robotnik says, well, you activated the thing. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. Sonic says, just a bit of an anticlimax somehow. And it is... And lampshading it in the story doesn't make it not. You could have... And, and activating a self-destruct doesn't have to be anticlimactic. But if you had, like, had the extra pages to play with of a seventh part and slowed this right down, cutting mm, back and forth between the crack slowly spreading across the 
mm. thing is that Metallic yeah. trusted to sonic slow motion super speed bolting across the room, slamming the button, maybe a whole full page of the Metallics is dramatically exploding instead instead of what That's happens, what which is their eyes is. just blink out and they fall over. It happens so in the background yeah. that when Sonic says, That's it, I had to go back to the previous panel to find out it had happened. Yeah. Because uh, I've got no problem at all with, you know, what Nigel has happened here, which is that, like, oh, I'll have to be fast. Well, he is fast. That's the perfect job That's for Sonic. That's the thing that he does. And sure, Sonic's speed should be why Sonic Indeed wins today. At the end of a big story mm. like this, which went back and showed us the origin of Sonic's super speed, Pushing his speed to the limit, not that I'm saying that's what he does, right. but an ending in which he puts his speed to use, pushes it to the limit, and uses it to save the day, is how a big epic story like this should yeah. end. But it's it's all about the pacing and execution, and this doesn't pull it off. And unfortunately, in that panel, as he runs past, grabs the thing, and presses the button, it sort of divides the panel into top and bottom. Yeah, with a big whoosh speed line. By the big whoosh showing you where Sonic's been. And above it is... The Metallic's Emperor with Wizzy Eyes because he's getting self-destructed holding Robotnik. But you're not looking really at the facial expression. You're looking at Sonic because he's filling quite a lot of space. And underneath are all these Metallics's gone grey to show that they're mm. dead. To they've they've Optimus primed out to grey. Yes, I was wondering if they that's on purpose. I think that might just be a bit of block colouring because you see the un, the dead Metallics's bottom middle of the last page and they're in colour, so it's just. Just a bit of um, artistic license. Same thing happens then to the Emperor in the next panel, but again, he's in the foreground. Well, whatever it is, it has that effect anyway of making them look less lifeful. Yes, less alive. Yeah. <laughs> but I just didn't see it. And it means that, like, I thought for a minute there, like, did it happen between panels? Oh, no, 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 it happened. Yeah, unfortunately, this is crammed into seven pages when it should have been twice that. Yeah, yeah. A sixth part to properly explore the ramifications of the alternate timeline and explain it in a satisfactory way, and a seventh part to stretch out the battle to have some actual suspense. Especially given that then the seventh page mm. is a whole page given over to, I guess that's that then, dusting of the hands off and out the door, and then ending with the little post credit stinger for something mm. else, you know? Now, I'm going to go into this a bit more later on because I've got a note about this, but I must acknowledge that like this kind of pacing is something that I've been comfortable with earlier on in the series because I just remembered more what it was like to read as a child where you do naturally spend more time on it all um, and you, you take what it's giving you more. Um, You're a less discerning child, let's be honest. You're less discerning a few years. But but we've been with this comic for nearly three years now. This story has gone back to and paid off or our long-time readership. And I, even as a kid, I read this and I was like, oh, is, is okay, is that it then? All right. You know, that was... I mean, and I, how could you not have that reaction when Sonic himself has that reaction? I think that we're looking here at a comic that has progressed beyond the boundaries that its format can give it. The kind of thing we expect out of a Sonic strip now. We we feel like we need more than seven pages, and I think at this stage they should have given it more than seven pages. As a matter of course, if they were starting to reduce what else was in the comic, I think they should have just done that and then let that kind There's of comic pages of be Sonic, sold. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that or just another part, honestly. Or, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, if, if it had to be six parts, then we're, you know, boned. But I think a seventh part really could mm -hmm. have managed to, uh, managed to save this. But 
I wouldn't go so far as to say it like it ruins the whole story no. or anything, but it is a pretty disappointing way to end what has been the biggest multi-part Sonic story of the comics' entire run up till now, and one that has traded so heavily on the established continuity and stories and everything that's come before it. But as a simple little thirteen-year-old fool, all of this was—if if, I—if I felt any of it at all, which there's no telling. It was all made up for by the last panel for me. <laughs> I was so excited. There is that. There I is that. So As excited. a 13-year-old fool, I say it again, I did feel that when I read it originally. Uh-huh. But that last panel, you know, uh, that you know, Sonic tries to give Robotnik a piece of his mind and it's like, oh, what's the use? Mm-hmm. Come on, let's get out of here. Sonic's right. The Brotherhood of Metallics nearly killed us all. No, Great Robotnik. The idea is still a good one. We just need a new design. A badnik based on Sonic proved to be too unstable. This is my new idea. And he (laughs) unfurls the scroll, the blueprints. And it is, of course, a Knuckles Metallics. It is a Robo Knuckles. He's got a triangular tummy bit. He's got a diamond on his head. He's got pointy eyes. Endomobius Dave is getting so excited about this. this (laughs) (laughs) Because it cannot be overstated that this is before any kind of metal knuckles would come into the games. Yep, still a couple of years till Sonic R. It's an obvious, you know, expansion of the concept. Of course. That, I mean, we don't know here whether Nigel is just being like, yeah, I'll I'll do a comic with that at some point. Or if he's going, I bet they're going to do that in the games at some point. (laughs) Either way, he was right to put it there. But then we just end with next issue, Sonic and Tails in a spin. Not even at the end. (laughs) Not even at the end. Always just about what's next. (laughs) You remember it's... No, I'm being serious, though. Like, you remember whenever the Sonic and Knuckles epic came to an end after seven issues but it ended you know with the floating island returning to the skies and then the last panel was a big cartoon bandaged up dr robotnik in (laughs) hospital bed Ooh, i'm gonna be no more mr nice nick uh and then the next issue caption said here comes predicto i'm like can we have a moment to let things settle in please before it's all about what comes next I'm old. I need time to calm down. I lead, I've always needed a moment to let an ending uh-huh. hit me. Uh-huh. And this didn't have a particularly good one anyway. Uh, but the other five parts have all been mm. very exciting and quite entertaining. It's just... It's just uh, but you think even more about it. You think about how like the threat of the Brotherhood of Metallics has literally been built up over the last 22 issues mm-hmm. from its first mention in issue 50. And it comes down to somebody hitting a button in one panel and the button was only introduced three pages before that. That's a bummer, man. It is. I can't, uh, you know. Uh, before that, at least, they did turn all of Mobius into a Th- That plan. was cool. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about, like, the, the proving of their threat. Yeah. That that was good. That was that was a payoff worthy of what had been built to with these characters. But then they undid that. Like, maybe if there could have been some way in the story that undoing that could have also defeated the Metallicses. But it's like, it's like I remember, as a kid, reading last issue, where they return to the present, and we see that Mobius has been unmetallicsed. Yeah. And they say, looks like they're still in control of the Miracle Planet, though. And and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I, I guess so. I suppose, I guess the story mm-hmm. isn't really over, even though you've resolved the central... Do you know, I've uh, just thought of, of a way that they could have made this whole thing more satisfying with one very, very minor change. 
which is that we find out about the self-destruct button before going back in time and doing all the Kinterball Robotnik stuff. Because then what that would create is that would make this issue what it wants to be, which is, yeah, the the peril was in all of that time travel stuff to create this, to, to return to this version of the world where the button can be pressed. That's what makes yes. it, yeah, that, that's yeah. what makes it not just a deus ex machina. It's like, yeah, no, we mm. needed this whole world to be re-knit and respun in order to do that. So if you show us the button earlier on and then, you know, as Robotnik's about to press it. Yeah, the world goes whoop. white. Yeah, yeah that, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is still only half the problem yeah. because the other half is the simple execution pacing and page space in which the button is pressed. Oh well. Yeah, it's a, it's a photo retrospective of the uh, what is it UK Comic Art Convention. I always think just UK now at this yeah. point. <laughs> yes, if that's how it was pronounced, if people were saying UK CAC back in the day, but Ooh. all I see is UK. UK. Oh well, and I don't want it to be UKK either. No, no, <laughs> UKSAC. <laughs> what have we got in our UKSAC this week? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Rockman. <laughs> a fantastic time was had at the UK Comic Art Convention, brackets UKCAC, held last October. Oh, there was me thinking you were just piecing it together from the letters, but it says yeah, it right there. there. Yeah. Held last October in London. Thank you to the hordes of boomers who turned up to meet the STC team in the gruesome flesh. And then in brackets, special thanks must go to Linda and Nyla Mady, who had travelled overnight on the coach from Edinburgh. I guess nobody came from any further afield than that. <laughs> Those were the two children who travelled far. Travelled the farthest, yeah. I suppose like, you don't travel far when you're a child. I didn't go to this and I would have loved it. This is true. I mean, you think about how far afield people come for from, mm. come from and come, come for come, for come, conventions come, today. Come, come. And it's like, good on these two who came on a bus from up there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I love how so many of these photos are over-the-shoulder shots of the sides oh, and they're backs awful, of people's they? heads. It's brilliantly it's a, rubbish. Two whole like... pages of the backs of people's heads. Like you <laughs> can, I can basically tell who some of them are because I know what they look like, but not from these photos. They, they, you get no information. It's somebody who's been behind the table at distance, snapping shots of the creators in, in the big long table. Frankly, the only information you get about what the guys here look like is like, you know, <laughs> what the state of their airlines was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lou Stringer gets a good snap. Yes, he Lou does. Lou Stringer turns to the camera, gives the thumbs up. You'd know Lou. There he is. There's Lou. Good old Lou. You could identify him on the street. And yeah. also, uh, uh, Deborah Tate is there. She grabs a young reader named Siobhan Fagan, who was just passing. <laughs> who wasn't interested, it says on the caption. Oh, I'm sorry. No, not a young reader. A potential reader. Yeah. She just grabbed, the, grabbed a passing child. Grabs potential reader, Siobhan Fagan brackets who was just passing it's just someone isn't she's not interested she's got nothing to do with it to be fair though siobhan's loving it to be fair yeah she seems really happy to be in the photo perfectly happy to have her photo taken yeah <laughs> you, you want to feel sorry for her but she seems really happy so i don't know what her deal was i don't know why she's here well she was probably here for the convention there was a whole convention on you know <laughs> i don't know why stc wanted to feature a photo of siobhan wait is she related to deborah in some way and she just maybe, wanted to get her maybe. in yeah <laughs> so we've got side on and slightly behind photos of yes. richard elson nigel kitching nigel dobbin steve white 
Audrey Wong looking down at something in someone's hands. Yes, but at least that's a photo of her. Like, at least it's a photo. Not of as good as the Lou one from the but, front. Yeah. And a side-on photo of uh, Daddy of them all, Richard Burton, as he swaps email numbers with Judge Dredd. The caption says, "Email number." Right. I I love this caption for two reasons. Number one, email numbers. Email numbers. Email yeah. numbers. Number two. Are they subtly taking the piss out of Richard there because of how keen he's been on email, getting his email maybe, address maybe. put in the, in the thing? Is this is his main hobby, email? email. Will he not <laughs> shut up about it? It's hot new technology. With a good Judge Dredd. A Look at the mouth he's dread. doing. It's the mouth. That's what sells it. I wonder if that's a cosplayer or if that's a performer that's that, that's there to you know be a booth, booth boy. What do they call it? A booth model. Either way, they know their job and they've got it right. Yeah, I mean, Burton's there in a 2000 AD t-shirt, so... I'm not convinced that the standard of con sketch that Richard Elson was doing here, that, that looks <laughs> below his usual... Uh, no, he's signing some kid's drawing, isn't signing he? Signing someone's art. Lovely. Kitching's drawing, and it uh, looks like Dobbin yes. and Steve White are drawing too. There's a, there's a head-on shot of Gary Knight as well, who looks like he might have looked up at the camera just in time. He looks like he's having a whale of a time, yeah. doesn't he, Gary Knight? Having a big giggle. Oh, and there is this picture of Carl Flint, this big tall photo of Carl Flint standing oh, yeah. next to a wall with sitting next to a wall with all of his covers pinned up behind him. Yes. Blue tax come away on a couple of those Carl. Yes, do you- <laughs> is that deliberate or not? Because he's got one whole row is equally peeling down. Yeah, the right corner the on of all of them is yeah. But I, then uh, if you look at the, the row above that that's just going off the top, there's actually an uneven one. So maybe it's an accident after Ooh, all. Uh I've just I'm 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 terribly worried now. I know, some, I know, I know. Yes, you've spotted it too. The fiftieth yeah. issue. Some of these are just prints on plain white paper, but the fiftieth yes. issue actually appears to have been cut off a regular copy because it's got the tattoos on the front. It's got the tattoos, still and on you the front. can see the control zone on the back instead of plain white. Carl. Very odd that he would have left the tattoos on. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but well. I don't know what to say about that. That's just a defacement. Carl Flint, that's not my man. <laughs> no, and he's st- and look what he's got. He's got a big standee of the clip art. The old running clip art, yeah. Yeah, and it says Sonic the Comic New. So they must have had that knocking about the office the whole time. Yeah, they just used that to decorate the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so these are all photos from the October event, but there's going to be another UCAC in March. It's coming up now that they're also promoting through this. Sunday at 3 p.m. on the 3rd of March at the Institute of Education, same location as before. Uh, mm-hmm. For the at the time of the STC event specifically, free entry for the STC event only, provided adult humes are accompanied by children. Oh, I like the way they phrase that. Yeah. <laughs> the panel will include Dobbin, Elson, Flint, Kitching, Stringer, and White. If you can't make it along, try your luck and enter the name the artist competition over the page. Oh wait, before we turn the page, look at this last box. There's just a little bit of legal disclaimer. Mm. Parents, adults, and minders, please note the STC event is just part of the UCAT convention, which will be a two-day event featuring comics of all types and for all ages. If you have any queries, please contact email number 101345,2422@compuserve.com. So number one, yes, that is in fact an email number. Number two, listeners, I can confirm this. That my first email address was number, 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 dot, number, 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 at compuserve.com. I thought it was dot. Here it's a comma. So that might be either that my memory is wrong, which can certainly happen, or that that email address is not going to work if you try and contact it. And we were getting on Richard Burton's case about swapping email numbers. Never mind then. God, that there was a different format of email address in those days. I've forgotten 
than that, the thing, the thing about putting your name on, that was like an innovation someone came up with later. <laughs> Compo. Well, it's all part of the same thing. I don't know if we need the jingle, but it's the name the artist, Compo. It says you can win exclusive original artwork. It's not clear if it's mm. this artwork. <laughs> Who knows? No, it's the picture from the cover, as I recall, of poster mag number oh, six. Oh, yes, I uh, thought I recognised it. It's Sonic that. fighting the Combinic. Uh, which I think yes. was poster mag either five or six, somewhere around then. I'm not looking it up. Yeah. How would you like to own a page of original Sonic artwork? All you have to do is name the artist who drew the page above. And it's Mike Hadley. Yes. Um, clue, he or she hasn't been mentioned in this feature, but will be at the forthcoming convention. They actually kept it a secret. Mm. The first correct entry pulled from Megadroid's oil can. Oh, Boring, oh, oh. uninteresting, put it on the spreadsheet anyway. Yeah, but it's not up to much, no. Will win the artwork, kindly donated by the mystery artist. Editor's decision is final. No correspondence. <laughs> but yeah, it's not really clear if it's this piece of artwork or not. It no. just speaks of the artwork. That is, to my mind, just the right level of helping hand because later we're going to see artwork by Mike Hadley. Yeah, there's a Mike Hadley strip in this issue, yeah. And we can look at that and go, oh, that's the fella. Um, but yeah, no, I like that. That's, that's, that's quite a grown-up thing. And then it says the end. <laughs> yeah. The end. A little the end. Like they used to put the ends on, on Q zones and stuff. Uh, but end. you couldn't put a the end at the end of the Return of Chaotix. <laughs> you put it at the bloody end of a three-page feature about a convention. Jesus. <laughs> Maybe this is meant to be included as part of that story. You're supposed to read straight on. The Graveyard, Part 4, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Ella Tafel. Knowing the pain of losing your entire race, Knuckles is unable to go through with destroying the Soul Crystal, sparing the spirit of the herd. Convinced by these actions that not all echidnas are alike, the spirit allows Knuckles to take an emerald and leave in peace. Now we're talking. <laughs> you want to talk about some pacing? Yes. Knuckles got his fist raised over the crystal here on the first page. The spirit refuses to, like, bow. Knuckles is like, call off the skeletons or I smash it. It's not that he's literally just going to smash it. It's like he's doing it to bargain for his life. If you destroy the soul crystal, I too will be destroyed. No deals. You cannot be trusted. Your time must be destroyed. And the skeletons come in. <laughs> There is a whole page fight of Knuckles just smashing up dinosaur skeletons with his fists. It's good. Oh, now you're talking, man. Now you're talking. From beyond... What does he say? Centuries ago, you savage echidnas destroyed the herd. Now, from beyond the grave, we will take our terrible revenge. And the skeletons come in and they be whoosh, send him flying off into the air with a bigger head. Yeah, that's the thing. In that panel, you've got this great heavy clack of like, it's so well drawn and it looks so heavy and it looks so 
I don't know. You can feel the way they move, and the yeah, it's great. You know, so they're not a motion line on Knuckles as he is sent mm. sailing into the air, or in the yeah, next panel as he comes crashing down. It's all about the weight of the figure, yeah. and his impact is depicted just by having some little rocks rise up and a little yeah. impact starburst below him. No need for motion lines. Gets yeah. it all in the weight of the line itself. Yeah. Mm, yes, brilliant stuff. And yet, always a motion line on his fist because that's <laughs> the fastest thing moving. <laughs> Wub off! Wub off! <laughs> Crash! Brack! Hawk! <laughs> he smashes up all the other skeletons mm. when he says to himself that it's his own fault for not destroying the crystal when he had the chance. Well, he won't make the mistake again. And then he goes up to this great heart cluster of Master Emerald Ore with all of these different rods poking out of it, the, the big, thick, deep cave crystal stuff. And he can't... He can't... He, the, the world turns black around him as he goes all introspective. Great silent panel as he lifts the fist yes. first. Then the world goes black. Mm. And he says, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't be the one who's responsible for destroying the last trace of the herd. And I'm glad because up till now in this issue, I was like, oh, Knuckles. Yeah, yeah. He was getting a bit too destroy for my liking. And then, no, of course it was leading to this. No, I can't. I'm still not. I, I, I don't. Mm. it's not as good as it could be mm. right because he only decides not to do it because as said in the synopsis he likens it to the way he is the last of his kind yeah you know instead of actually being just, like learning it, about a critical race it, it theory would just be wrong, and being yeah. like, it would be wrong <laughs> to do this it would be wrong to continue the sins of my ancestors oh yeah but it's only because he feels sad that that he chooses not to do it. Yeah. And it's then on the ghost to be the one who says not yeah. all echidnas are alike. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure about that yeah, at all. Yeah. You could have destroyed me, yet you did not. Perhaps I have misjudged you. Perhaps it is time for the ancient hatred to end. Perhaps I misjudged you. He was about to do it. Mm, he was gonna. Like, yeah. yeah, it's on the ghost to be the one who actually makes peace rather than the idea that knuckles believes that the ancient sins should be you know owned and it's like yes i yeah. my people did you wrong but i will not you know there's no sort of um i mean he, he does he, so he's allowed to take a, a piece of emerald or and he mm -hmm. scarpers quick like because he's not sure about it you know lovely shot of him leaving back out through the graveway huge big emerald carrying on his back the skeletons returning to the sands and then oh ooh, we end on this lovely big full splash page of knuckles in the foreground carrying the emerald on his back as in the background the red of the sunset and the clouds and an imaginary like window into the past and imagine as knuckles imagines what it must have been like to see the kohanyu in their beautiful primal glory marching across the plains and days of yore and he says i only hope when my people finally return to the floating island they have learned their lesson so that's the only point in which he actually puts any of this on his people <laughs> yeah and I don't, I don't i don't think they will have learned their lesson because they weren't here i reckon not and also i mean like they were hunting the animals for food like, it was just an indigenous people living in harmony with the land. They didn't know the ones they happened to kill were the blokes. <laughs> I feel like they could have learned that. Yeah, you just lift the leg and check. Like, yeah. but, <laughs> but they didn't know that there were only... there were. Was, they said the herd was many hundreds, but there were only 50 males. Yes. Still as an ending. Like, in terms of, like, pacing and execution and mm. slowing things down and allowing things the time they need, the emotions to unfold, right? It is... A showcase of how to do it versus what the Sonic strip has just finished offering up to us. It even gets to put a little the end at it the end. It does. 
And Knuckles walks off with this giant crystal of Master Emerald on his back, and it says, next issue, the new Master Emerald. And uh, and I can just imagine Knuckles flips it upside down, punches half it off, and goes, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's even all right as a next issue tag, because it's clearly saying, this is going to now follow on from mm. the events that you have witnessed here. Not Sonic and Tails in a spin. Why? It's time for some filler after the end of the newest episode. Speaking of some filler are we ready to turn the page? Ooh! Pin-up! <sighs> it's, it's another pin-up. Pin it's the Chopper Badnik. It, no. Yeah. I will be fair to this one. Okay. This one is, this, this one, like, as an illustration, mm -hmm. this isn't actually bad. It's one huge drawing of a chopper. It's not, you know, repeatedly pasted. And it's not just sitting there either. It's drawn at a three-quarters angle. So <laughs> it actually does look like it's bearing down on you. Yeah. The chopper being the piranha-like badnik from the Green Hill Zone. The one that hops up uh, from the bridges. Yes. Um, I think... Uh, um, yeah, I think you're being more generous than I would be uh, with that description of it being... Quite a good drawing, because I don't think it is. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's it's a better drawing than several of these past pinups have featured. Yes, yes. Uh, there's just something about I don't know. I'm not fully convinced by the shape of the jaw. Um, also, what this is interesting, and I know why this has happened. Um, it isn't supposed to have these little yellow spikes all over it, particularly on the fin. But that's yeah. because what it is supposed to have is just circles like they depict them as holes now whereas originally they'll have just been circles so obviously that's been interpreted as like oh they must be spikes pointing towards us then and that's what's been drawn but so no blame there i mean i wouldn't have put it on my wall no. but it's it offends me less than that neutron <laughs> oh i forgot the, the neutron the cheek of the asteron the wall hog for at least uh, listen <laughs> at least this one's the right colors yes um, the ball hog didn't even manage that. <laughs> I don't even have performative outrage over this one. <laughs> and that's what it is. Two-page picture of that by... On the back, an interesting mm. advert. Yes. Wouldn't you like to spend half term with your best, 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 best friends? Wouldn't you, Dave? Yes. There's evidence that I did. Well, what could you have done instead? Uh, I could have just put the telly on and sat watching by myself, uh, but that would have been a miserable <laughs> existence, wouldn't it? Yes, this is an ad for the Disney Channel, mm. which had, uh, I checked, only started broadcast in the UK a couple of months before this. Oh, wow. Yes, late 95, October 95 it started, so not six months ago. Wow. So I never had this because we didn't have anything. We didn't have Sky, none of it. No. Of course you didn't. But I oh, wanted the Disney Channel. I wanted what I imagined the Disney Channel to be, which is... That's what I was going to say, yeah. Basically like Disney Plus, but like running. At a, you know what I mean? Well, to be fair, that is basically what it was back at this time. Yes, it started off that way. You know, it's not it? what it turned into in the late 90s, mm. early 2000s, where it all became iCarly, Victorious, Hannah Montana, and all that stuff. You know, it actually was just... The Disney cartoons back then. They just showed you DuckTales and sometimes they put the Jungle Book on. That what, what more do you want? Exactly. I mean, the, the shows they specifically advertise here. This is this is for... So it's half term. I guess the February half term. Yeah. Don't miss the Disney Channel. We've got Donald, Huey, Dewey, Louie, Chip, Dale, Baloo, Mowgli, Winnie the Pooh, Flip, Flip, Flipper? Flipper. Oh, the dolphin. Flipper. Flipper? Yeah, okay, yeah. I guess it wasn't all cartoons then. Tarzan had the Disney Tarzan 
come out by this point? No, not at all. Not for a number of years. So that maybe that was an old no, TV series. I wonder what as well. that was then. Something else rubbish. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Raw tunage quack attack. I had to go and look that one up. That was just a repackaging of old Donald Duck yeah. cinematic shorts with new linking sequences. Yep. Films, 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 and monsters galore. Monsters galore. This, this is an up and down sentence, this one. I can make sense of some of it, but not the rest. With friends like these, this could be your most magical half term ever. Yeah. And they're specifically showcasing in the thumbnails here DuckTales, which was on Monday the 19th to Friday the 23rd at 11 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Mm hmm. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Monday the 19th to Thursday the 22nd at 7.30 and 5pm. Raw Toonage, Monday to Thursday at 5.30pm. And Quack Attack, Monday to Friday at 12.30 and 4pm. I wonder what was on Friday nights. They must have put a film on on Friday night, right? And yeah. that was, this must have been a Friday night a movie. Started at 5 o'clock and that's what cut into Raw Toonage and uh, Chippendale. Must have done, must have done, yeah. It's funny when I think about it, because this is 1996 now. Yeah. Like, they haven't made new DuckTales episodes in a minute. No, no, exactly. That's the thing. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. We were little when that came out. Raw Toonage is newer that's new, because yeah. that's the show where Marsupilami originated. But it's still a year or two old at this point, you know? God, I suppose it is, actually. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but yeah. Yeah, so like, because it's, like, it's odd, isn't it? What's new? What have you got that's new, Disney? Back then, we thought of Sky and Satellite TV and whatever as like, yeah, that's they're a couple of years ahead. That's where the new stuff is that you don't get on normal TV yet. But yeah, no. 1996, what was about to happen? I mean, well, I suppose the new 1996 seasons of anything wouldn't have started at this point in the year. So what was new in 95? What was Disney doing in 95? What about... Gargoyles? Yeah, I was going to say Gargoyles. Gargoyles would have been yeah. in its second season. That's the big one. Uh, Darkwing Duck yes. was probably still kicking about in, yep. in 95. Yeah. I saw this ad and I was like, oh, brilliant, Darkwing and Gargoyles. Darkwing was the first thing I thought of, and I was like, nope, nothing, nope. Doesn't mention right it, here. does it? No. So weird that the Disney Channel of all things seems to have started out as a sort of a bin full of old stuff. <laughs> you kids like repeats? Yeah. And now, to be fair, yes, we did. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is that we probably didn't even know they were repeats. No. Like so many of these shows, DuckTales, Chippendale, 65 episodes. Yeah. Now, as an adult, you see 65 and it's like, that's a lot of episodes, but it's like you can conceptualize the amount of time it would take to watch them. <laughs> As a child, particularly when you have to remember in America, 65 episodes was the number of choice because that was the number that allowed them to be shown every day, every weekday, Monday to Friday. God, that's too much for anything. We did not have that on terrestrial no. television. You know, we got no, DuckTales one day a week. Yeah, <laughs> we got Turtles one day a week, you know? Yes, as it should be. So these spread out into the infinite ahead of us and we would quite easily miss them and then not see yeah. now i uh, as somebody over here in ireland obviously i had bbc and citv doing one thing and then rte mm. would also be showing them so i would have other opportunities to see things and i've talked before on the show about how um rte would often just new things would just appear there and that you wouldn't have seen somewhere before i'll never forget this is a very random one but i always remember Turtles was in a big string of repeats somewhere. Somewhere along the way, it had just been nothing but turtles I'd seen over and over again. And one day, whenever it was time for turtles or whatever, I was playing the Mega Drive instead. I was playing, that's what I was doing, actually. I was playing the Mega Drive. Don't remember what game I was playing, but I was playing the Mega Drive in the other room. And the brother bursts into the room to tell me the Turtles episode that's on, and he says, Michelangelo meets Bugman! And I'm like, <laughs> ah, I sure have seen that one. It's real old. Again! He says, 
And I says, I've seen it. I know. I know it's on again. And he's like, no, no. It's called Michelangelo meets Bugman again. And it was. It was a second episode where the character of Bugman returned. And I was like, a new episode. Turn this shit off. In we go. Turn up power. <laughs> Is that what the episode's called? Michelangelo meets, meets Bugman, Bugman again. again. Yes, that's the effort that went into Turtles. The only time we did get the same program every day, it was because it was the summer holidays and they were presenting mm. us with an embarrassment of riches like you're getting a morning thing where you get to watch the same thing every yes day. and that's like channel four was the channel uh-huh. that did the uh-huh. morning stream of, of programs for kids and yeah they would usually have the same thing on every day but it was usually there'd usually be a happy days in there or something yes. you know, because they were they were that low on actual content oh you ready for the next exciting episode of California dreams, kids. <laughs> you know, you remember that one? That <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. That's the first thing. That was the bit. Yeah, Channel Four had Saved by the Bell. That was yeah. the first thing that I was like thinking of when I thought, like, yeah, every day in the summer holidays you get this at nine in the morning on Four. That's Saved by the Bell. But also, I suppose they'll have done it with some other stuff. I certainly, I certainly remember and have video tapes of the time when I was very little and CITV would be on every morning in the summer holidays and they would put yes, yes. put the wuzzles on and then when they ran out of them they put the gummy bears on. What a so that that's was. another one like the wuzzles there are only 13 wuzzles you know yeah. that's not even enough for three weeks <laughs> exactly so then they had to go i suppose they probably repeated them once and then went on to gummy bears or something like that but yeah no that what a what a summer whatever oh, year it was whatever year that it must have been 1987 or thereabouts i wasn't planning to go off on that tangent no it's good content yes we've got See how many people content. out there remember california dreams <laughs> you must remember it right yeah that was the one where they had the band and the one girl with what she thought was a british accent um did she are you sure that's not usa hi uh it could well but at, at that point they were all the same to me because there was a british girl in it yeah there, no those are quite a few years apart as i recall <laughs> well i'd still after saved by the bell all those things were like remember saved by the bell how about that but they're all just the same to me which was cali- but they did have a band didn't they in california Dreams? i don't know i can't remember i think that was what the i think the, i think the premise I think was you could well they had a band, right, and it was called california dreams california dreams an american team sitcom which man five seasons oh. from 1992 to 19 Odor Zone, written by Mark Miller. Mark Miller? Mark Miller? Mark Miller? Art by Mike Hadley. Garlic Bread! (laughs) By Tom Frame. (laughs) Following a trail of devastation back to the Odor Zone, Sonic learns that Robotnik has captured Marcel Skunk, the leader of an underground movement from the stinky skunk-populated zone, and turned him into the massive badnik Savage Skunk. Sonic tracks Marcel to Robotnik's lab and frees him, forcing Robotnik to fl- forcing Robotnik to flee to fight another day. Mark Miller. Mark Miller, here he is. This is what they've just whipped it out. This has just been found down the back of the sofa. Yeah, the art has is new. Yes, Mike Hadley's clearly using uh, Richard Elson as reference. Not only that, but you've got egg robos and everything, so it's clearly quite modern. 
Bottom of page two. Oh, yeah, right enough. Yeah. Well, sort well, of. Sort of. Maybe. But yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it is only six pages, though. It's I know. not seven. I know. I so was that, checking Maybe that's why they didn't publish it back in the day. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. You know, maybe it just wasn't long enough, so, uh, I mean, it so they could be. filed it away. It could be that somebody rang Mark up and said, can you knock us out another six pages? We don't know it no didn't way. happen. No way. No <laughs> way. No way that happened. They'd get Lou to do it. Yeah. Lou's only got one other strip in this. You know, he could have knocked out another one if they needed him to. No, they just rolled out some old tat here. I mean, I don't want to be like too hard on it or anything, but it is, it's just from a different time, mm, this yeah. strip. It's just a little bit of oil rubbish. The dissonance of it is interesting. Seeing this Mark Hadley drawn, modern, you know, present day looking Richard Elson-y Sonic, that Sonic as he appears now, doing the old Mark yeah. Miller script ticks, like going, go, 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 as he runs along. Yeah. Or, uh, well, I mean, the central gag of this, right, is the skunk's smell. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole zone of skunks. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Odor Zone. And that's all right. I can work with that. <laughs> but they're all French, which seems to be nothing more than a Pepe Le Pew yeah, reference. Yeah, that's what it is. Mark Miller has literally just made these skunks French because he thinks skunks are French because of Pepe Le Pew. Yep. And notionally, they're a riff on like the French resistance, the underground. Yep. Not that that factors into the story in any capacity. It's just a flavor text note to explain yep. who and what these guys are. They're not just the guys who live in the Odor Zone. They are an organized resistance which is something that you know works quite well for a story written right now in a world where robotnik rules the planet zoot allo i salute sonic the hedgehog in the name of the underground movement bertrand remove your belly when you say the name of the great spiky one <laughs> that's it that's what they go round zootalozing and that's what they're for in this and it's all phonetic as well sonic the hedgehog s-o-n-e-e-k-z-e-e-h-e-d it's antoine you know that's antoine but he's a load of skunks yeah there's a uh, and they your... demand. To be fair, what? they don't. Uh, surprising for Mark Miller, <laughs> they don't do the whole Frenchmen are cowards guy. No, they don't. No, I didn't know about that at the time. You had to tell me that was what Antoine was. And, oh, oh, is it? <laughs> to your earlier point, there is a very accurate uh, impression of a Richard Elson Sonic at the bottom of page one, shouting "Pulsate in pixels," <laughs> which is very, very early days STC. It's a very odd mix, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's it's just a done-in-one thing where there's mm-hmm. a load of trees knocked over and Sonic finds out about it and he runs into Robotnik's lab and we meet Savage Skunk, which is the the robot creature from the front cover, mm-hmm. who's a big robot skunk with a, like a gas mask looking face and lasers and stuff and a big spotlight for an eye. It's not, it's not a bad design. Sonic looks like he's running away, but then loops around a tree, spin attacks him, and it's done. The problem I have with this robot skunk is that we have the shot of him from Sonic's perspective. So we're kind of looking up. He's looking down. And that necessarily hides a lot of what his design actually is. Mm. Just because of the angle of it, the way that he's looking down. You know, he's got his face scrunched up against his chest. And the big flare of the spotlight over his face, too. And then really, the only other shot we get of him is him blowing up yeah. and being destroyed. So it's it's really tricky to figure out what he's supposed to look like without referring to this picture on the front cover where I think he looks so much more like a robot mole that it almost can't be a skunk. Well, that's you, you just think that because of the gas mask nozzle at the end of his nose. Yes, and for some reason... Something to do with the mouth, but also something to do with the little helmet on there. Is there some other robot mole I'm thinking of that he looks like? <laughs> I don't know. But um, yes, quite, exactly, that's right. But it, even here, it does look more moly than it does skunky. Oh, Headwise, yeah, he's tail. got a big tail and everything, so yes, he, the, the body is that of a cartoon skunk, 
well, no, that's not true. The body is a collection of circles and legs. <laughs> it's made of skunk by the tail, and then it's got this gas masky head on because of Pustink. It's funny that the Pustink doesn't play a role in the story at all, though, isn't it? No, it's got nothing to do with it. This is, it's oh, almost... Oh, God, I've probably... There's all, you know, isn't... There's also what? the... The French just being smelly. That's also a stereotype. Oh, and that's, God, is that's it? much more Mark Miller, now that I think about it. <sighs> okay, I didn't know that. Um, but this is. Well, this Google has it to be air. sure, but I'm pretty sure that's a thing. This has the air. You Google it, you type in R the French smelly, type it into Google. <laughs> no, Dave. I'm not. Type it no, into I'm Google, not. Dave. You type it into Google. I'm not having the government okay, mark me down as being someone who thinks the French is smelly. <laughs> I'm typing it now, and that's exactly what I've typed, and Google says... <laughs> um, a new study has officially proved that the French are smelly! <laughs> what? I don't know, it's just the first Google result. It's from 2015 on something called the Deccan Chronicle. Is that peer-reviewed? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I mean, what's to say? You know, Sonic bops the bad Nick open. You know, it's a good illustration from Hadley as well. Yeah, all the art here is good. I'm liking it. If we're coming back round to pacing discussions again here, as this issue is, mm. you know, promoting, we get a whole page of this of Sonic running in one direction, uh, spinning around a tree in the next one, <clears throat> bearing down hard in the next one, which has got to be copied directly from a Richard Elson panel from the Sonic Terminator, right? That one shot of Sonic running head on. Mm, maybe, yeah. And then... Like a bullet through Savage Skunk at the bottom, like taking his... He's got head off. Yeah. It's a good boom, 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 single panel bit of pacing and action. Yeah. It's, it's good. This is good art. This is a, a well-drawn strip. It's very nice to look at. It's a bit weird that there is this one gigantic skunk, and the reason he's gigantic is that he's the leader and vice versa. That That's really odd. He's giant because we wanted to have a giant robot, so he's just big and that's, yeah, it's just it, yeah. But he's ginormous. Like, there's this one shot of Sonic standing on the tips of his fingers. Yeah. He's enormous. This one panel after Sonic has bopped him out and Robotnik has to cough and the smoke clears and he's just mm. laying there all seductive on the ground with his hands <laughs> laid over one another, just smiling next to Sonic. And I'm like... All right. I'm very happy with yourself there, man. I might be mad, bad, and dangerous to know, but I'm not messing with those two. Mad, bad, and dangerous to know. A description of Lord Byron by his lover, I believe. That's that's where that right. particular turn of phrase comes from. It's been used as the titles of albums yeah. and things over the years, but that's where it originally comes from. I did not know that. Sacre bleu! How can we ever thank you, Sonic? Were it not for you, I, Marcel, would be a slave of the evil Robotnik. Well, I couldn't leave you in the hands of an even bigger skunk, now could I? The end. And it just says the end, and it doesn't say next issue, Shining Force. Very rude thing to say to a skunk, isn't it? Just That's straight true, up, actually, like, yeah. <laughs> using skunk as a slur right in front of one. Funny note, actually, just thinking next issue, Shining Force. Knuckles moved this issue, didn't he? He's normally the third strip, but they moved him up to the second strip in place of Decapitate, just so they oh. could have the Sonic stories not be side by side. Oh, fair decision. That makes sense, actually. Don't think they've juggled the positions of strips before, have they? Beavis and Butthead Special Part 2. This game is not suitable for younger readers, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> There was actually one bit in this where I was like, aye, okay, fair enough. Which is um, when they go to the drive-in. To gain entry, you need $3, the bomb from the Army Recruitment Center. 
and the camera. And what you're supposed to do is look at all the cars to see which one is rocking. Take a photo of the rocking car and you'll get chased by a woman. And that's that wonderfully sanitized version of the events that happen there. I appreciate that they talk about how when you get to the end, when you've got all your ticket pieces and you can go to the concert, you can go in through the front, you can go in through the back. If you go in through the back, you get the real ending because you blag your way on stage to perform with them. And it says, finally, if you manage to catch a cat by using pizza as bait whilst couch fishing... And then in brackets, there's just an exclamation mark, just like admitting the uh, ridiculousness of everything else. This will distract the dog. It's like we were saying last issue, this seems like it might actually be a bit of fun to play. Mm, it looks all right. And I don't feel like I've had it spoiled for me in any great regard because so much yeah. of what they say is so detached from whatever is actually going on. It's just yes. like a little list of bullet points of things you do, not necessarily what those things make happen or what their relevance in the world of the game yes. is. It's just... it, it kind of comes across as like a parody of video games of the time, doesn't it? Like Bit. if someone was just to write a guide for something that didn't exist, this is some of the nonsense they'd put in it to make fun of us kids and our BP games. <laughs> Next issue, more Mega Drive game tips. And then, little the, the end, end again. <laughs> Every bloody thing in this comic has a little the end on it. Except, except the, the one you wanted. That most deserve to have a the end. <laughs> Sonic's World. Brute Force Part 4. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Dondi Cox, letters by, it looks like Elita Fell, but it's definitely not the credited Steve Potter. Brutus prepares to mount an attack on the floating island, only to suddenly turn against his own troopers and wipe them out. He quickly realises that the brain scanner has backfired. In addition to absorbing Johnny Lightfoot's knowledge, he's also absorbed his heroic personality. Brutus quickly reverses the process, which also wipes out the knowledge he'd taken from the Freedom Fighter, and returns to the Misery Zone to plot for the future. Of course. <laughs> this whipped ass. Yes. We didn't remember how it worked. No, but of like, course oh, that's how you Is get out of attack it. The fort? But we were just saying last issue, <laughs> I said it, that, that he wasn't absorbing their personalities, just their knowledge. And oh, it turns yeah. out it was a whole thing. It didn't matter that he absorbed Grimer because Grimer's an evil dickhead as well. Yes. <laughs> They're very much of the same mind already. There you go. We were, weren't we worried? We were like, what are they going to do? How are they going to... They're going to know about the floating island. What's going on? No, Lou ties it up nicely because he ends up with Johnny's personality and wanting to get rid of that because he's becoming such a goody two-shoes, he ends up having to delete all of Johnny's knowledge as well. So they don't know that they're hidden on the floating island after all. Yeah, fair enough. There you go. There you go. That's how you tie it up. You're planning on turning against Robotnik? Yes, but don't get your hopes up, Outlaw. I don't plan on being a hero. When I attack the floating island, people will fear me. They will lose respect for Robotnik, and I will be the new ruler of Mobius. I feel like that's a, th a thin plot there, Brutus. <laughs> They'll fear you and lose respect for Robotnik. I don't know that anybody, you know allows Robotnik to continue being their ruler because they respect him. <laughs> they respect him that much. They keep voting him in. There's this good bit with uh, Robotnik angrily stomping around Citadel Robotnik as well. Brutus has become too disobedient. It's time I gave him a piece of my mind. Uh, you already did that, sir, when you programmed him with your personality. Less of your cheek, Grimer! <laughs> uh -huh. 
The posing this episode. Brutus, Look at the dramatic man that he is. Page one in particular. <laughs> he goes whipping and whooping from what There's this one bit where Johnny says something and he twirls around with the most balletic pose. He's got one arm out behind him. He's got all of his little feet. He's got his little finger pointing out. It's very JoJo's Ooh, Bizarre at Adventure at this mm. point. These extreme poses he's it contorting is. himself into. It absolutely is. Yeah. Every time we see Brutus, he's in another big, expressive pose that's almost a parody. It's I can't tell if we're being funny or not, and I love it. The other troopers looking a little dodgy, a little bit dumpy. That panel on page three where they come mm. out to say the crew await your orders just before he shoots them. Yeah, their little skirts and then their little—they're all the proportions are <laughs> not great there on that one. Uh, set course for the floating island. We must destroy all, all. This is wrong. We must not take that, you bucket-headed creeps! <laughs> <laughs> and he zaps him with his gun arm. I am confused. Why did I do that? Uh, spring cleaning? <laughs> and then the other troopers are like, oh, he's gone mad. We must relieve him of duty. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? They, they don't even get to aim. They just become a cloud of cogs immediately. <laughs> you goons don't stand a chance. No, what am I doing? <laughs> he crushes the brain scanner as well so it can never be used again. Which I yeah. think is fair. That You know, obviously yeah. it's writing out the MacGuffin of the strip so that in the style of a cartoon so that we never have to worry about it being used in tomorrow's 22-minute adventure. Mm -hmm. But it, it seems like a justifiable move in this case. It does, yep, yeah, it does. And that's it. He flies off lamenting the fact that he's just completely bungled everything, screwed everything up from moment to moment. Killed all his men and Johnny's run off and it's like, drat! When I deleted Johnny's personality from my brain, it also wiped out the secrets I discovered. Oh well, off we go. <laughs> bye bye. But another great pose then on the final panel where he's whoosh, big fist to the air, yes. gun arm outstretched, cape a whirl around him in his. Is he keeping the other badniks? No, I thought they were in cages, but I'm not sure if they are. Um. Oh, I see. There's because kind of stripy hatching going yeah, on. Yeah, they're either in Is cages or. Looking down at him in like the center of an arena or something. Yeah, or something. All we've got is him doing his big pose, fist up to the sky, camera way above him. Yeah. And the outer sort of hoop of the panel is made up of bits of, well, monster. It's not even, they're yeah. not even trying to look like robots anymore. Fist up over the lip of the panel as well. Just a nice mm. three dimensional effect, that one. Yeah, it's good. I will build new badniks, increase my secret army. Dominate Mobius, and Robotnik will be nothing but a memory. A memory. The end. The Okay, the end. The end. Yes, the end. But beware, Brutus will so return. every single thing in the every comic. Every single one except the <laughs> one. I suppose it's because there's literally a Sonic strip next issue, so it's not the uh, yeah. end of Sonic. But there's literally a Knuckles strip next issue. Too. But Knuckles is a bit odd in that regard. Well, I think this, I think the Knuckles approach is correct here, where you put a little the end, because we said it says the end and there's a caption. I don't know if we mentioned yeah. that the end yeah. is like a little post-it note stuck on a bit of the scenery in the picture. Mm -hmm. And I say do that. That's how you... Yeah. Communicate at the end without breaking the know the end rule, I guess. But this is great. Like, all these Loostringer Brutus strips have been tremendous. Mm. And I think, I, I, to my memory, it's a trilogy, you know? There's only one more. Okay. It's the big Brutus Endgame strip okay, next. Okay. And that is, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, however that one goes. Yeah, I can't remember at all. I have no memory of the next bit of Brutus. It's very soon, though. It, mm. I mean, it's this year. Right. 
I must have read it. I think we've said oh. in the past it runs alongside Running Wild, which is, you know, why your fo- your focus ah, will be somewhere else <laughs> when reading the comic. it, yes. Oh, I can't wait for that. Speedlines! Speedlines, boy! Ooh, a familiar name on this first we've letter there, We've got an Dave. old friend here. She's back! And she agrees with Chris. <laughs> Sarah Rose of Walkton, Manchester is back and she's, as STC have captioned the letter, seeing red. <laughs> All day long. It says, Dear STC, I am an angry Tales fan who is sick <laughs> of seeing the most overhyped character in Sega history. Knuckles. The only way Tails ever gets featured is as a complete wimp compared to you-know-who. She's not wrong. <laughs> you might as well change the title to KTC. Brackets, Knuckles, the comic. Yeah, and did that explain. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Well, well, I mean, we had someone a couple of issues ago who didn't know what STC stood for. True. <laughs> <laughs> Megadroid says, thanks for the suggestion, Sarah. I don't suppose you'll buy a copy of the Knuckles special, then just um, drop it in and bloody the nowhere. What? There's going to be a Knuckles special. No previous warning of it. Talking about it like it's something we knew about already. No, no advertisement. Look out for the next Tales adventure, which begins next issue. So that's obviously why they've chosen to print the letter now. But uh, she's not yeah. wrong. Tales? No. We've, we've only kind of just recently realized how short of a shrift Tales has gone. <laughs> He's been given his own strip, but he's never really allowed to be the star of it, the, the, yeah. the hero of it. And in the process of giving him his own strip, he never appears on Adventures with Sonic anymore. Exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. Sonic's cutting about with the Chaotix right now, and he has been for a very long time. And that's what's missing, isn't it? It's Tails. Like, uh, and I guess he has to be missing because there's so many other characters crowding the place out with Porker there as well which is really the important one as we'll find out later but like yeah no Tails but it's still a genuinely shocking lack of Sonic and Tails and Sonic I'm wondering and when we're next going to see them in anything together I know they complement this letter with a little picture, a little photograph that's been sent in by Gemma yes. Tibbs of Billericay, Essex. Uh, it's a photograph of her holding up two A4 pieces of paper written on them. On the on one is Sonic out, Knuckles in. And then on the right hand side, it's STC with a question mark next to it. And the S is crossed out and there's a big red K drawn above it instead. <laughs> and the caption they've put on it there. Does Sarah Rose know your full address? <laughs> <laughs> and she is giving a big wink to the camera. She's really playing up to it there, I think. And we've got another uh, inset picture that's related to this as well, because we have a... Ta- well, 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 it's not. Mm, it's not. No. It says here, Tails in a rather fetching outfit. Please write in with full address. So nobody even knows who drew this. But I, it isn't Tails. What no. we've got here is a uh, girl Tails, right? Yes. But I maintain it's a different fox because she's got three tails. She has three tails. That's how you know. That's it's, how it's, you can yeah. tell it's a completely distinct character. This is another girlfriend for tails, but she's not yeah. yellow like so many past illustrations. No, she indeed. is just tails. Yeah. And she's just got eyelashes. Yeah. No lipstick or any of the other, no painted fingernails or any of the other. No, or, indeed. No bows. No, but she is dressed for the part. She's got a dress on, stripy dress. And a headband as well, which is which is a lesser girl signifier, but still a very clear one. But still, yeah. But the sleeves of her dress do have flowers on them as well. And that's that's girls. Sorry, I've just noticed that in the photo of Gemma Tibbs, she's got an STC t-shirt on. Where'd you get that from? Oh, I don't know. 
Maybe they had it made? Maybe. It's got the full STC logo on it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she won a contest. Gemma, right in. Tell us. Mm. But she's looking ever so friendly, isn't she, this girl, Tails? She's got her hands clasped together, giving a little smile off to the side. Got her hands clasped over the heart. You know, every possibility there could have been a Tails drawn into the same image off on the left-hand side that she's looking at lovingly and they've cropped off. But uh, Yes, yes. Well, but why would they crop that off? I feel like if they were going to crop it off, it would be something slightly... Wouldn't fit space it might well i think it might be worse it might be a drawing of the artist himself that's oh being, god uh, no Yo, you're so right oh at. you're so right it's so plausible <laughs> mm. booming mad here in the middle god everybody's mad with their letters this time around this is from ryan mm. bass or bass from milton mm-hmm. Keynes. dear megadroid i'd hoped that after the stc redesign you'd put an end to calling your readers boomers okay all right i don't know why What's wrong with you? Um, Megadroid says, Well, no, Boomer Bass. STC's original <laughs> editor, Hume, Big Chief Burton, invented the phrase, which came from Sonic Boom. Dare I ask what you'd prefer STC readers be called? I said, Was it Big Chief Burton, the daddy of them all? Richard Burton, they're all chiefs and daddy metaphors for Richard Burton, this issue. And finally, Plunderclap. Dear Megadroid, a long time ago, you said that Captain Plunder would be coming back. As this comic strip started back in STC 50, don't you think it's time he appeared? If it does happen, I might just applaud STC mm. from Alex Hose, Langport, Somerset, Sonic Knuckles, camera winner. Big Captain Plunder fan. And Megadroid replies, it just so happens, Alex, that Captain Plunder returns in issue 74 for a brand new Knuckles story. Yeah. We'll have him back, yeah. 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 It's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters. And so to our mailbag then. A great big bulging bag which we carry around with us all What's the time. What's in our mail sack this week, Dave? Yeah, and it, it, it says on it, stctpodcast.gmail.com, if that means anything to you listeners. Uh, yeah, we've got one here from Paul Spencer who says, Hey guys, my name is Paul Spencer. You may remember me from the Speedline section <gasps> of STC issue 60. <gasps> We have a letter from Paul Spencer, Summertime Blues, who said he was very disappointed with the 1995 Sonic Summer Special because nearly all the stories were printed before in the Sonic poster mags. And Megadroid responds, the Summer Special was marked up as a classic collection, Paul, i.e. it was made up of popular strips taken from the regular comic. These are mainly put together for comic fans who do not normally buy regular copies of STC. Yes, I wrote a letter to Sonic the Comic back when I was nine years old, and the gist of it was that I was sorely disappointed in the Sonic Summer Special. I had got my Sonic Summer Special and was shaken to my core when I found out (laughs) that the stories inside were just reprints from the Sonic poster mag. How could the people at Sonic the Comic take my £1.95 and serve me a stale plate of something I had bought before? I'd been duped. (laughs) Except that's not quite true. This is one of my most vivid... This is... By the way, listeners, this is what we want. If any of you ever appeared in STC, write in, give us the full scoop, okay? This is one of my most vivid memories, I suppose, because I was so proud of myself at the time. I opened my Sonic Summer Special and I recognised some artwork. 
I believe it was Sonic in Green Hill Zone or some other greeny hilly zone near a loop. I knew that I'd seen it in a poster mag before. I didn't know all the stories were reprints. I just knew this one was. So I took a punt. I never read Sonic the poster mag. I never purchased Sonic the poster mag. My only contact with the poster mag was sneakily thumbing through the odd one in a John Menzies. Yeah. No mean feat with Sonic the poster mag because before you know it, it's twice the size you are. You're not hiding that behind the counter. But as a child, I was a terrible fiend and i wanted some sonic stationery <laughs> yes yes this summer special was exactly intended for me i was the target market i got to read stories i had never read before it was worth every penny while what i wrote in the letter was true it had literally no effect on me Brilliant. at all i just found something to complain about and i wanted the goods and well it bloody worked didn't it keep it up guys paul Tremendous. <laughs> i love it well done fantastic nice and full yeah that's just winning upon winning <laughs> yeah brilliant Hello, and we've got another one here. This is from a Charles Skeevington who says, Dear STCTP, I thought I should probably write in at some point. First of all, I want to thank you for the wonderful time portal back to my childhood in the 90s. No problem. We needed one. We made one. Now you get to share it. Going by the wiki, I must have started reading somewhere around issue 114. Flipping Woof, it. Later on. I mean, I say later on, but there's still years of stuff left after that. The earliest story I could remember featured Megatox, but their original appearance would have been far too early considering I was born in 91. Oh, little baby. Little baby. Baby. Once I did start reading on a regular basis, I got as many issues as I could through the back issue service, though I know it didn't go back all the way and probably had some gaps. Oh, wow. Hey, the, still no dead. If you were born in 1991, those the back issue service started when you were four. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing an issue 114. I mean, that's that puts them at about seven at the time. Yeah. So that's some real dedication for a seven-year-old. Hell yeah, it is. It's been great revisiting these stories, usually reading through the scan before listening to the podcast. Yeah, it sounds like a sensible yeah, yeah, yeah. way around. Uh, while actually having the anticipation of waiting between episodes rather than binge reading through issues, young me absolutely didn't appreciate some of these stories as much as I could have done because of that reading experience. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the same truth. You know, whenever we get to the point where we'll be looking at stuff that I've literally only read. We were just talking about it, weren't we? A couple of episodes mm -hmm. ago, when we get to the stuff that I know I've only read in scans yeah. as an adult, one 15 years ago I, I basically might as well not have yeah. read it you know it'll be basically all new to me when the time comes and i'll have a whole different approach to it with two weeks in between waiting to read yeah. and see what happens next yeah well charles says it's been so refreshing to hear your genuine love for them to help recapture some of that excitement especially for the other sega strips which i know i used to skip other than decap attack oh Dave did too, so yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's Christmas Day when I'm writing this, so Merry Christmas, Happy New Year 1996, and here is to the years to come. Thank you, Charles, they, them, Patreon supporter, woo, 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 woo. Mega Drive owner, even if I'm not currently sure where it is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Thanks, Charles. Yeah. And Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you too in March. Yes. February, whenever, whenever, you get, you get, whenever yeah. this goes out. <laughs> And there we go. So if you want to uh, plop your letters into our little mailbag and get read out at the end of the episode, it is stctpodcast at gmail.com. stctpodcast, not stctp podcast, stctpodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you there. Next issue, Elf Warning. Mm. In it, 
It's an elf world. Because in. there's elves in it. Shining Shining force, in it. Yeah. Oh, well, there's one elf. We've got a picture here of two people. It's a well-drawn picture. I'm liking this. Yeah. Of, uh, who's drawing this series? No, but it's a good bridge between anime and not, isn't it? Yeah. Right. I tell you what. In fact, picture like the Zelda cartoon. It kind of looks like that, but like a good, good bit. Yeah. A good drawing. Like the elf quest. Yeah. And it's a lad and a lady, and they are meeting weapons. He's got a wooden sword. She's got a sort of golden staff type thing. And she has got pointy ears. And he hasn't. Yeah. Uh, he's just a bloke, I suppose. That would make her the elf in question. Yep. New story. Tails. Fox on the run. Sonic. Spinball wizard. Oh. Knuckles. The new master emerald. Graphic zone. Howdy doodles. Oh, oh is that <laughs> going to be cowboys? Howdy doodles. Yeah. Oh, could be, actually. Yeah, I didn't even think. I just thought they were being silly. So that could be a problematic episode. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> and the photo zone model boomers. Oh, now that zone. either means it's going to be little models that the boomers have made, or boomers modelling their Sonic themed clothing. One of the two. That's STC number seventy three, one pound twenty on sale Saturday, the second of March, nineteen ninety six. And Dave, hmm? I have held this from you until now. <laughs> oh, what, 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 what? As we what? close the cover oh, on issue number seventy two. Uh huh. We close <gasps> my time with Sonic oh, the Comic back in 1996. That's right, listeners. Chris is getting kicked off the podcast as of this episode. We're going to install <laughs> a new co-host. <laughs> this was the final issue of oh. Sonic the Comic that I bought as a kid. And I have talked a little bit on the show about why before. Uh-huh. But we... Well, it's 1996. Mm-hmm. In a few months' time, come the summer... I'll be moving to big school, which is not the same in the way that you moved to big school. But the nature of of the school I went to was split across two campuses. There was the junior school, which Mm -hmm. was years one, two and three or years uh, eight, nine and ten in in this case. And then the senior school, uh, years uh, 11, 12, Mm. 13 and 14 or or, uh, fourth year, fifth year, sixth year and upper sixth, as it was called. And I was I was starting to get delusions of maturity. I thought (laughs) I can't be reading the Sonic comic because I had also started. To read, and we talked about this yes. before because it's been mentioned in the comic before, Judge, Judge Dredd, Dredd, Lawman of the Future, which was the comic Fleetway put out to uh, thematically tie in with the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd film. Mm. And it came out on alternating weeks to STC. Uh. There was fortnightly as well. And it was very much of a piece with STC. I decided I had to make a decision. I could have the one that was real hard men and guns and shooting and mutants and somebody might have an arm come off at some point. And there was Sonic. And... With this storyline, so much of what Nigel Kitching had been doing in his time on the comic felt as if it had been brought full circle with the return of Chaotix storyline. The Metal Sonics, Mm -hmm. these ideas that are in play in this story, had been built upon since issue 21 when Girl Trouble started and he really started adapting Sonic CD and Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles and the original ideas he built out of those games. And in the course of this story, it's looped right back around to the beginning with the origin of Sonic yeah. again, it felt like a... Basically, I never believed that Robotnik would ever stop ruling the planet. Yeah. Spoilers, folks. That actually all winds up culminating in issue... In a way that is, bizarrely, even more of an all bringing it around. Yeah. So all the stuff he did at the start starts coming together. Yeah. But I never believed that I would ever see yeah. a freed Mobius with this story ending and the Knuckles story ending. 
and the brute force story ending, even though that one does end on a very much, uh, there'll be more Brutus in the future, I guess I was willing to write that off. And the fact that it was some old tatty rubbish Mark Miller as the third strip. <laughs> and the fact that I now knew the next issue was going to be all f- elves and swords and shit. <laughs> it, just, yeah. it just felt like the most logical place in the world to jump off. But yeah. I did continue to look at the comic in the shops because I couldn't cut the cord entirely you know but on the next issue you know a little a little spoiler for you a little spoiler for you Dave the next uh-huh. issue my decision was vindicated you know when I saw that next issue in the shops right then two months later Judge Dredd Lawman of the Future was cancelled <laughs> and you couldn't just pick Sonic up again because there was a gap well yeah up until right now, up until I just checked it today before recording this, I'd have sworn it was two issues later, but it was yeah. actually uh, five or six issues right. later. It was like two full months, two or three months. This is mid-February and it's early May by the right. time uh, that cancellation happened. So that is actually quite a, a more sizable gap in the events than I thought. But the greatest pain in the world mm-hmm. that I still know today was on the back page of the final issue of Lawman of the Future it said Double Dread J-D-L-O-T-F because that's what they <laughs> called it Judge Dread Lawman of the Future is no more but the law lives on and it was an advert it said every week in 2000 AD mm-hmm. which is where you can get your regular Dread fix and every two weeks in, in Sonic, Sonic the, the Comic, comic? In what? Sonic the Comic, the UK's official Sega comic featuring Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, plus the latest news and game reviews. What? Not so true anymore. Uh, no. But then, and it doesn't make any correlation between Sonic and Dread. Nope. It just says Sonic the Comic, and there's a big red asterisk. Couldn't miss it. Next to Sonic the Comic. And then, two centimeters below where the asterisk is, the footnote says, Watch Sonic for details. Wow. So clearly they were thinking of replacing maybe shining for the whatever because they're wrapping that idea up maybe they were just gonna have a judge dread strip every issue or maybe there was just gonna be some kind of crossover but whatever it was it never happened it never happened it's a made-up tale it's a total fabrication boomers we can rock that sound clip out again it never happened (laughs) it's probably the last time we're gonna be able to use that without a new zone anymore god how weird Gosh, that's odd. But I would continue. But the gap had been too long and I never got back on Sonic the Comic. I would continue to try Mm. and keep abreast of it by looking at the comic in the shop. I certainly did that pretty much through issue 100. Generally Mm. speaking, I remember what the general idea of what went on in the Sonic strip, at least. The other ones, mm, not so much. Almost no Mm. knowledge of some of these things. But after, even then, after 100, I drifted away even further. We did go through a period where my little brother started getting it. It was only a very short period, but um, it's after the digital colouring comes in and everything, Mm. and when there is a a reprint in the fourth strip in the back. Mm. But it was in the house again for a little time. Mm. And when I learned, when I learned in the year 2000 that the last issue was coming out, I tried to order it, but I was going to be away on holiday when it came out. I requested that the newsagent hold a copy for me, just because, you know. Yeah. And when I came back, they had not. Oh. Yeah, they just just had it. Cheers. Yeah, right, okay. Brilliant, wonderful, and that's uh, that's it. Now we're into the uh, well, not the undiscovered country next issue, but very much a new era wow. of Sonic the Comic the podcast going forward. Now, this issue seventy-two, about what twenty <laughs> issues shy of the halfway mark. The stinky poo socks issue. <laughs> that was when I said, 
no more. Well, listeners, don't be like Chris, because we've got some great stuff coming up. That's right, like, I know. Great some of the stuff, stuff that is coming up in the near future <laughs> that I remember as well as if I had bought it and kept it and read yeah. it over and over and over again. The stuff we've got coming up is so high on my list of good stuff that when given the option early on, you know, before Richard Elson had sold off quite so much of his STC artwork, as presumably he has now, if, uh, if he's any sense at all, I picked a page from it to be the one that we had. And uh, and so did Abby. It was a unanimous and immediate decision. So there's some really good stuff coming up. And I cannot wait to share it with, with Chris and with you. And it's going to be a grand time. This last run of 25-odd issues now mm. building up to issue 100 oh, here we go. tends to be the last batch of stories that you still hear spoken of yeah. as the first stories that come to anyone's mind yeah. when they still think of, of Sonic. Like, I maintain that the big one is still the Sonic and Knuckles story. Of course. But a very close second is Running yeah. Wild and the stuff that goes on with Super Sonic in the run-up to the 100th issue anniversary. Oh, Nally. <laughs> and when you're looking for it, you yes. will be able to find it most places good podcasts are available, but you can, as always, download it from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. And if you want it to be there when you go to look, then please support us because it takes quite a bit of money to run this thing uh, at patreon.com forward slash stctp where you will find goodies goody goody goodies that you do not get on just this podcast alone you're going to get videos of us and the audio versions if that is your proclivity uh of, if you don't want to look at if us. you don't want to look and at who us, could blame you yeah of us doing uh two things number one going through the martin adams novels the first the best sonic stories told yeah. in the early days in 1993 when this comic was starting these novels were coming out you may have heard of them sonic in the fourth dimension we have covered it start to finish we've got an interview with the author we've got all of that on there it's exclusive you're gonna love it also uh, that I think you're going to love, but Chris well, doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, Our the, other the, feature, the, which is where I have dug out my old fanfic that I used to post on the internet in 1997, written by myself as a precocious little 15-year-old, and it's all blood and guts and death and sex and whinging and whining. And, uh, yes, it's about Sonic in his final days. The distribution of love on this one is <laughs> a bit more one-sided. <laughs> yes, so join me for torturing Chris with that, the end of Mobius over at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stctp. You can follow the podcast at Sonic Podcast on Twitter, or you can find us on there individually. I am at Chris McFeely. I am at Dave Bulmer. Our theme song was called Synchronize, and that's by a band called Sonic the Comic. We always say Sonic the Comic the band, but they're not, they're not called, called the Sonic band. The, Comic no. the band in that we, in the way that we are Sonic the Comic the podcast, they are a band called. Sonic, Sonic the, the comic. comic. But we are Sonic the Comic the podcast, yes. and we will see you... In a you different way to how they are Sonic the Comic the band. And we will see you... Next time. time.